How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the fifth episode of the Freedom to Flourish podcast. I'm Dr. Tim Augustiniak here with a good friend and colleague of mine, Dr. Joel Miller. Um, a little bit of a break for the holiday, so we apologize for taking two weeks off, but everybody <laughs> needs a break every now and then. Um, today's episode, we're going to dig really deep into autoimmune conditions. We're going to talk about, just go down a list of a bunch of different conditions that are autoimmune conditions for those of, their, those of you who are out there listening and aren't sure what exactly an autoimmune condition is, we're going to just provide some examples of things you may have heard of, or you might have, or one might have, or, or whatever. Um, so we're going to go through that. And then from there, we're going to talk about what exactly drives autoimmunity, uh, pathophysiology of that, and then just some examples, uh, clinical tidbits of things that we've seen with various autoimmune conditions. Um, there's some questions that you might be having at home. So um dr joel how's it going super pumped super pumped to be here i've been wanting to do this one for a long time because one of the things that um that i love to share with patients that have autoimmune conditions or if, if they have a family family member or loved one that has an autoimmune condition um i always share that you can you can stop these conditions and you can heal from these conditions and um we'll get into this list in a second but so many different autoimmune conditions Number one, um, people aren't really told that it's an autoimmune condition. And if they are told it's an autoimmune condition, the doctors don't usually explain like what that means or what that is, like, like what we're about to get into today. And if, and I think that goes back to the fact that most doctors don't even really understand how to like necessarily what that is or how to address those issues successfully. But, um, but I think that, um, I think it's extremely valuable to number one, know that autoimmune conditions, you, you can address them successfully. You can heal from them. And, uh, they're not like, um, a lifelong disease that you have to have. And, and they're not a condition that you just have to manage with prescriptions. Like we're so often told. So, um, so yeah, super, super pumped and excited for this one. Um, so, um, let's do this. How about, um, Dr. Tim, start us off with maybe kind of a basic definition of what is autoimmunity? And then we'll go through this list of autoimmune conditions. And then we'll talk about um, basically what is happening with autoimmunity, how we would go about addressing that, all that good stuff. Yeah, we'll do. So autoimmunity is, it can mean a lot of different things for a lot of different people, but the overarching umbrella term or blanket statement for what is going on is uh, there are some immune cells, uh, they're called T helper cells. When you are starting to produce increased amounts of T helper 17 cells or TH17 cells, over time, what they'll do is introduce called interleukin 17, and that's just an immune cytokine, and these will produce antibodies. Uh, the result of this is your body producing antibodies that will attack its own tissues, uh, resulting in things like Crohn's disease, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, uh, tiroid arthritis, uh, various various conditions. Um, but the the theme that leads to this, it's not like your ma your body magically just producing high amounts of TH17. There is something that is propelling this, and its its general theme is underlying inflammation. We'll get more uh, in depth as to what that other umbrella term encompasses, inflammation. Um, but there's some common themes of things that we talked about in the past where um, a lot of chronic health issues, chronic health conditions um, are, are very involved with perpetuating inflammation 
and inhibiting the body's detoxification pathways from clearing that just by using up resources. Um, if, uh, you know, if your body is trying to clean things up and clean things out uh, and it requires a garbage truck to do that, if there's over time there's low on gas or you run out of gas, the garbage truck can't do its thing anymore. Um, and so it's, it's kind of that balance between what's driving inflammation and what's inhibiting the body to clear all these excess toxins and things out of there. Um, and so dealing with autoimmune conditions, you need to kind of go both ways. So today we're really going to kind of talk about, um, well, one, what are autoimmune conditions and what are some exam examples of that? But then we support that, those systems to eliminate the things that are driving it, as well as the detoxification pathways that can help uh, clear that inflammation, and all the other things. For sure. For sure. So let's jump into just for the for the listeners knowledge and education there's so many conditions out there that are scary conditions per se and uh maybe as a listener maybe you've been diagnosed with one of these conditions maybe you have a family member or loved one that's been diagnosed and um, so i just want to share this this quick list of conditions that are autoimmune uh, which basically um, when we talk about what is autoimmunity how do you address these issues we're talking about all of these conditions Things can look a little bit um, different based on the, the condition. It can look kind of like a different shade, but it's all the same color essentially. So let's jump into this. So um, number one joint condition with autoimmune issues is rheumatoid arthritis. This is an autoimmune condition. Um, a lot of people don't know that. And a lot of people come in with these joint pains and they think that it's just inflammation. It's, it's actually an autoimmune issue. Um, endocrine issues, Hashimoto's with the thyroid, Graves disease, which is... Um, obviously excess, um, can be an excess thyroid issue, type one diabetes, um, Addison's disease, which has to do with the adrenals and cortisol, uh, lupus and Sjogren's, um, uh, uh, irritable bowel disease, right? So Crohn's and ulcerative colitis, nervous system diseases, multiple sclerosis, um, Guillain-Barre syndrome, myasthenia gravis, um, skin issues. We've have, uh, scleroderma, psoriasis, um, vitiligo, uh, celiac disease with the gut. And then there's a few here also that you may have heard of, you may have not, but these are generally more rare. So vasculitis can often be more of an autoimmune issue. Um, hemolytic anemia, where your immune system is literally destroying your red blood cells. Um, immune thrombocytopenia, uh, which is along the similar lines, but with your, um, um, basically your platelets. And then pernicious anemia, which is generally a B12 deficiency type issue, but in that case, um, uh, in that autoimmune, when that, when that is an autoimmune, uh, condition, um, it's because your immune system is destroying the cells in your stomach that absorb B12. So all of those are, um, uh, different, um, conditions that at the root of it, it's an autoimmune condition. And it's really, really important to know that because again, as I mentioned earlier, when, when you hear that this is your diagnosis or this is your condition or when your loved one, your family member or friend hears that, it's really, really important to know that this is an autoimmune condition um, and um, what that, uh, the significance of that is, is huge. So, um, so Dr. Tim, let's say there is an autoimmune condition, any one of these, and we'll talk about some specifics with some of these in a little bit. But let's talk about the pathophysiology behind autoimmune conditions. Um, where does where does it start in your mind? What where does your mind go with these? 
So with all of these, uh, you know, it might sound crazy to our listeners to just group all these things into, you know, one form of treatment. You know, I use air quotes with that because our our style of treatment can be can be seen as very broad because we apply this logic to every single case that is autoimmune, um, and oftentimes cases that aren't autoimmune um, that are just more so skewing of the immune system, uh, just into a state of hyperactivity, but. Anyway, um, it can be seen as very broad, but at the same time, we're, we're really digging into this with each patient. It's, it, is, it ends up being very, very, very specific for each patient because every single patient has different needs, different things that they're going to respond better to. Um, and you know, our use of applied kinesiology with the functional medicine is, is what allows us to do that, which is great. Um, we dial instead of that shotgun approach. But the question is, what, what would that shotgun approach or what are all those things that could be contributing to autoimmune, autoimmunity? Um, well, so autoimmunity, the way that it, it begins is, like I said, the overproduction of that Th17 cell. Uh, what starts this? Um, there are, think of your immune system like a teeter-totter. So there's the Th1 side, the Th2 side. Those are T helper 1, T helper 2 cells. Um, these should be pretty balanced. There are some situations where they should fall out of balance, where you get an infection. Maybe you have an upper respiratory thing. Say you get COVID or say you get a cold. Um, you know, say you, you cut your fit and your body has to fight off a little bit of bacterial infection there if you don't clean it out properly. Those are all things that TH1s should elevate to fight off. Um, so say that happens, TH1 will go up, TH2 will go down. And then once you're done fighting that off, it should level back out. There are things that can cause TH2s to go high. Uh, things that will drive TH2s high are uh, things that are more inflammatory, less infectious. There are a few different infections, but um, that's more so just parasites. The immune system tends to react to those a little differently. Um, but things like gut microbiome uh, imbalance, so dysbiosis, where there's either some pathogenic uh, bacteria or fungus kind of hanging out in your gut, or it's just normal gut microbiome that's overgrown for some reason. Maybe you took antibiotics or, uh, you know, maybe there's something that kind of affected your system, like food poisoning. Um, those that can draw or drive inflammation, sinus infections, bladder infections, uh, those, those three things are chunked into something called hollow organ inflammation. Those are all going to drive inflammation uh, that elevates TH2s. Uh, metal toxicity, that's a huge one that I see pretty often. Um, mold toxicity and mycotoxins, those are going to be on that list as well. Um, let's see what else. I already said parasites, but allergies, seasonal allergies, as well as food mm -hmm. sensitivities. All those things are going to drive TH2s high. Um, respiratory issues, all that stuff can, can elevate that as well, even if it's not necessarily like a chronic sinus issue. Um, but those are the general things that are going to, are going to drive that up. Um, what drives increased production of TH2, or I'm sorry, TH17 cells is suppression of TH1 with increased uh, TH2s. So we already talked about what increases both of them, but what, what drives TH1 down? Uh, that's going to be stress. Just super simple stress. Um, but what is stress? You know, we talked about plenty in the previous podcasts where stress can be a stressful event event. It could be a, uh, it could be a sickness, could be chronic blood sugar regulation. Uh, it could be a lot of different things, but overall, if there is any combo of those things and 
in my humble opinion, tends to be more so a chemical driver of stress or blood sugar related most of the time, um, will suppress TH1s. So whenever you have these elevated TH2s, what's going to happen is you're going to produce a bunch of inflammation, regardless of what's going on with stress. Inflammation inherently is going to cause your body to go into this, this stress state. So it's going to want to uh, conserve resources and uh, not really too much. So it's going to produce stress hormones uh, and suppress those TH2s. And you get in this, this totally skewed, imbalanced state where TH2s are through the roof and TH1s are in the floor. Um, over time, this imbalance is what causes TH17 to be produced. When this is that chronic issue, you might be asking, how the heck do we fix this? Um, what do you do about the TH17s? Uh, and the answer to that is just eliminate stress and eliminate the things that elevate TH2s, which again, might sound really simple, but with every single patient, one patient might have a parasite issue. One patient might have a mold issue. One patient might have a metals issue. Uh, they could have a common things. I would say most patients have some sort of gut inflammation um, it's just a matter of how, if, you're, if your health is a pie chart or what's contributing to these high TH2s is, is a pie chart of issues, uh, what percentage does each uh, underlying issue contribute to that autoimmunity or elevated TH2s? Um, and that's the question. Usually, uh, at least what I see, I'm sure this is the same with Dr. Joe, um, the things that we see first and deal with first tend to be pretty big chunks of the pie chart most of the time. Say yeah. somebody has lots of stress because they're not eating properly and their life is just stressful. Uh, you get them eating properly and help them detoxify stress hormones, uh, their, their energy at least will improve drastically pretty quickly because it's uh, taking that tax off the adrenals, but then it's alleviating that teeter-totter a little bit and they're inherently a little less inflamed at that point. But then from there, we're, we're dealing with the stress, but the inflammatory side. So that's where, while doing that, we're going to work with, you know, healing the gut, eliminating things like fungus, bacteria, all those things that are pathogenic or not happy, that the immune system is not happy with. And then from there, dealing with metals, mold, all those things. Um, and there's plenty of ways to go about this. Um, but yeah, typically, typically you just kind of, we, we kind of go off the testing and, and figure out where signs and symptoms with each patient aligns. Uh, a lot of times you can pick out a gut issue or you can pick out maybe a metals issue, um, food sensitivity. It's all about the, the really in-depth history that we go through to figure out uh, where the dots are connecting. It's, mm -hmm. it's not like we go into this line. We have to spend a lot of time asking people, okay, what's going on with every organ system in the body? Because in order to apply the, the functional medicine mindset, you have to have this, this very broad history um, of all different things going on where the dots don't even seem like they're going to connect to the patient more often than not, they connect with us and we can see all these things that can trigger that autoimmune condition. Um, the, the last thing I'll, I'll say about this is when it comes to autoimmunity, people like, uh, you know, I, I've had it where, you know, you'll get, you'll get a mother that comes in. She's got some young kids at home. She's got her husband and, uh, they just do a new house. And all of a sudden after, after they moved, she was sick all the time. Everybody else seems to be doing just fine, but she it always has post-nasal drip. She just feels run down. She's always coughing. Gut's kind of out of whack. Um, and she's sitting there thinking, why, why am I the only one? And why all of a sudden? 
Well, uh, the way I like to describe it is uh, moms, young moms especially, I found, tend to be really, really stressed a lot because they're taking care of the kids, taking care of the family. Um, and they tend to put everybody else before themselves. So they don't eat as often as much as they should because they're feeding the kids. Um, and they're naturally the caretakers. So they take on more of that burden of taking care of the kids. So stress just through the roof. Um, but then they move into this new house. Why, why would the house be the trigger? Well, a lot of times older homes will have mold issues and it's something that might not even be a gigantic issue to most people. But, um, if you're think of your ability to handle immune drivers, inflammatory things like mold, metals, whatever, think of your ability to handle that as a glass of water. These moms start to have issues moving into a new house. Their glasses say 90 plus percent full. It's, it's pretty dang full. Um, they don't really have much of a capacity to get more things in there. Um, so when they have issues with stress, maybe some underlying gut issues to begin with, uh, and they're, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, and they're uh, thrown into this environment where they have another immune driver of that TH2 side in there with the mold, their glass overflows. And that's where they start to experience symptoms. Um, and that's like that with a lot of different people. Um, you'll, you'll hear about people who, fortunately, what happens is maybe a family member gets sick or like a parent passes away and they're super stressed from that. And it's a huge emotional trauma. And then they get sick or say uh, their kids move away to college and they're super caught up emotionally about that. And then they get sick. Um, all these things can lead to some sort of increased stress. Uh, whether it be inflammatory stress or just normal chemical stress from blood sugar or emotional stress. Um, and they get put further into this, into this state and then TH17 goes through the roof um, leading to autoimmunity. So what to, to simplify all of this, people who experience autoimmune conditions, all of a sudden, usually they can identify their trigger. And the reason for that is their glass is 95 plus percent full. And then they add one thing in there that sets it over the edge and then it overflows and that's the yep. symptoms come around. Yep. Yep. Totally. Totally. And we'll go through, um, <clears throat> we'll go through these triggers, um, and talk about, I think probably what a lot of listeners are wondering, which is, okay, how do you, how do you find these triggers? How do you test it? And I, I agree a hundred percent with you. And I think I probably talk about this, uh, maybe to an annoying extent, but if you take a good history and if you, as, as a listener, if you think back to exactly when this issue started, um, it's like 95% of the time, 99% of the time you can track down exactly what's causing these issues. So, um, sometimes for patients, they, um, kind of have to learn about factors that can contribute to things. Like not everyone thinks, um, about like going into a home and if the, if there's mold, the air quality and things like that. But eventually I think people kind of learn about that, but all in all, if you can really track it back and think back to, Hey, when did this issue start? That's going to be the first important piece to figuring out what the actual trigger is. So that's a huge first step to, to figuring that out. So, um, we talked about all these other triggers between infections and food sensitivities, these, um, heavy metals, um, I know that you talk a lot about poor methylation as well and the huge importance of that. Um, so amongst all these different triggers, um, th these triggers that are, are stirring up the immune system, they're activating and increasing these TH17 cells and TH17 responses. Um, let's kind of, let's kind of jump into how exactly you would, you would check for these. So 
um, let's say um, um, let's say somebody suspects there's maybe a food sensitivity. What if someone comes in your office, Doctor Tim? What are you what are you walking them through? How are you getting to the bottom of that with them? So when it comes to food sensitivity testing, uh, or at least you know figuring out what's going on there, um, I don't typically immediately jump to testing. Uh, or at least doing the blood test or antibody test for certain foods, um, especially when patients are in this state with elevated tissues, what's going to happen is they're going to show for a lot of foods showing up as being provocative. Um, and what are they supposed to do? Not eat anything? Um, that's just not, that's just not feasible. Um, their a lot of patients just, feel like that at times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. There's, there's people, they just, they just turn to elimination diets to figure out maybe it's a food, maybe it's a food. Um, but if you find yourself having, having to eliminate, you know, 10 different things from your diet, it's, I'm telling you right now, it's most definitely not a food. Um, yep. you, you shouldn't have to eliminate 10 things. There's, there's something that is driving you to be hyperactive due to elevated TH2s. And if you can find the one, two, maybe three things that are causing you to be hyperactive like that, you, you'll be able to create a whole lot more foods. It's yeah, just a matter. It, it, oh, sorry. Yeah, it, it, no, exactly. It, a lot of people will, will cut out so many different foods, but it's not a food issue. It's an immune system issue. Yeah, exactly. It's the, the food sensitivities are the simple rather than the root issue that's driving it. Um, so how do we go about identifying this stuff? You could do the food sensitivity test. Um, not something I necessarily recommend. Um, doesn't give you as much good data as you'd think, but they are cool to see. Um, so that's, that's some way to go about it. Um, some people will do like the elimination diets. Like I said, they'll, they'll get rid of a bunch of different things and then start adding things back one by one. Um, also not, not too crazy on that because there's so many different variables, um, that could be provocative in there. Uh, say, let's use beans for an example. That's not something that I find that somebody reacts to for the most part as far as the immune system goes, but they are high in FODMAPs. So if you have some sort of dysbiosis going on in your small intestine uh, or even your large intestine, it can be very, very, very provocative and produce a lot of gas, all those things. Um, doesn't mean that the immune system is unhappy with it. It's just more so the microbiome is unhappy with it. Uh, as far as it goes for figuring out the root issue, um, even if it, you know, if it's, if it's not with a food, that's where we, uh, Dr. Joel and I kind of turn to the muscle test for things where, um, the system that we approach things with allows us to find exactly what the underlying one driver of the immune system or whatever issue that we're, we're kind of digging into, uh, it allows us to figure out what the one thing is that, uh, that's provoking things. Um, and say it is a food, say it is a food. A lot of times there'll be maybe a histamine reaction or, or things where things are getting really ramped up there. Um, you have the patient stay away from those for a while, you know, get them on an antihistamine, maybe like some vitamin C or camu fruit, maybe some uh, methylated folate, vitamin A, all those things, uh, just depending on what's going on with them. And uh, that can calm, a, if that's the root of the issue, it will calm a lot of things down. Um, for those of you who are listening, I understand that's not really feasible to say, hey, you know, come see us um, and we'll tell you if these foods are prov provocative. Um, the way that you can kind of gauge things is really, really start to pay attention to what foods, uh, keep a food journal, start to pay attention to what foods might be provocative by keeping a really good record of what you do and don't eat. Um, a, a way to make sure that this is as streamlined as possible, um, and we encourage this in our office all the time, we are huge fans of consuming whole foods. 
not talking about the store. Talking about foods that are one ingredient, like chicken, beef, broccoli, rice, um, potatoes, ingredient foods. Uh, I remember as a kid, uh, we had uh, you know a little bit of a health, health talk at school. And they said that we, in order to grocery shop, to be healthy, you need to walk around the perimeter of the store. And I find that to be very helpful advice. Um, whole foods that are one ingredient tend to be the perimeter of the store, um, where you go to your produce, your meats, you know, maybe some grains, but that's it. Um, that's, that's the easiest way to identify what triggers, uh, as far as foods go, could be provoking your issue because you're just having, say, broccoli. You're just having like a cup of milk or something like that try not to be too crazy with things like you know spices that could have nightshades or all sorts of things like that try to keep everything pretty streamlined and if you add something in that is provocative you'll know pretty quickly um depending on what your symptoms are so uh for those listening at home i think that's probably a, a good way to start uh, with finding that stuff out um a little different than the way that we do things but there's only so much you can do from home with you know, telemed type stuff, or just even taking our advice for yourself. Totally. I, I should have prefaced, uh, that topic there with, um, with the understanding that you and I, with the technique that we do in practice, right. The applied kinesiology, we're able to actually test using muscle testing, different neurological reflexes to actually figure out like what, what is driving this issue. And that's been by far the most efficient way for us both to do that in practice. And I think for the listener who is considering um, these things, I think number one, definitely check out the um, uh, kind of the list of, of colleagues that are doing what we do. So the technique is called Systems Healthcare. And you can find that on either of our websites. You should be able to find a link or just go to systemshealthcare.net. But look for a practitioner that might be close to you. There's not a lot of them and you might have to travel a little bit, but it will definitely be worth it. So that's an option. Number two is um, some of these lab tests may be helpful for you. Now, for practitioners and doctors that aren't doing a technique like this, um, they have to rely on these lab tests. And for people that can't really get access to this kind of care, you kind of have to rely on lab tests. So some of that information is, is really, really good to have, important to have. So, um, but yeah, just like Dr. Tim was saying, when it comes to food sensitivities, my first preference is I'm going to use this technique and I'm going to figure out what's driving their autoimmune issues. Um, if a patient wants to do a food sensitivity test, um, basically my response is, let's do it. You know, you get a lot of information. Um, the challenge, like Dr. Tim said, though, is it doesn't necessarily tell you what is like the main trigger. It just tells you like overall what you might be reacting to. Um, uh, I like to do the test from Alitis, um, A-L-L-E-T-T-E-S, I believe is how it's spelled. Um, they do pretty good food sensitivity, um, panel. That's a, it's a blood test. Um, so let's see, let's, let's jump on to obviously infections. We've talked quite a bit about, we've talked about infections. Um, and, um, you know, as far as infections go, um, I, I would say if you, you know, the best approach I think would be to use a technique like what we do to, to figure out kind of what's there and what's driving it, and then also figure out what nutrients are needed to help um, address that successfully. Um, otherwise, I think you're kind of looking at blood tests. You might be looking at, um, you know, the most simple thing is going to be a, a CBC with differential. So a complete blood count with differential. It's going to show you the white blood cells, the neutrophils, lymphocytes, all that good stuff. Um, there are some other more... Um, 
kind of um, uh, advanced tests as far as checking for some of the kind of the nastier infections. Um, if a patient's wanting to do a blood test with that, I, Dr. Tim, I might use like Cyrex Labs. Um, I think it's Array 12 maybe it has a lot of different um, infectious agents there. So um, that's a test that uh, you don't hear a lot about. That's a, not a lot of doctors are running that test, but to the listener, that might be an option for you. Um, any other tests come to mind for you as far as infections, Dr. Tim? Um, not necessarily infections themselves. Uh, I, I more so kind of dig into some inflammatory markers that I run in just the comprehensive blood panel that I run. Yep. Yep. Um, doesn't get too crazy with infectious agents just for the sake of, I, I in my office, just let the muscle testing kind of dictate some of that stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, we can get into that in a minute though. <laughs> sounds good. Sounds good. Um, let's see other things. Uh, so other root drivers here triggers with, with just overall this inflammation, this autoimmune issue, um, heavy metals is also a common trigger. Um, with heavy metals, I'll be honest, I don't really, I don't really look at any lab tests for that. I'm primarily using this, this, um, the muscle testing and, and the systems healthcare technique. Um, are there any heavy metal, any heavy, heavy metal tests that you are, um, fond of as far as lab work goes? Nope. Nope. Same one you're in. Yeah. Um, no, I, I've, uh, sorry, the, go ahead. The reason for that is, um, you know, uh, all the, all the labs that I've seen from patients bringing them from other practitioners, um, come on these combination supplements, like, um, I don't even know what they're called, but they're, they're just these huge plethora, uh, things of metal chelating agents that, um, don't quite work all that well. Um, they'll they'll just run these tests, and they will they'll continue to run these tests um, until metals are showing that they're they're not testing anymore, um, or they're not showing up in the lab anymore. And they'll do. Uh, I've had some patients talk about um, yeah they they wanted to do this IV drip and all these things that just seem a little excessive in my opinion. I mean, you can have a patient. Uh, say they have too much copper. They usually all they need is zinc. Um, it, although there's yeah. <laughs> a lot of one metal, a lot of it's not necessarily that they're toxic of metal. It's the fact that one type of metal is too low to balance the other. Yeah. Um, but there's things like like I already mentioned, camu fruit, the vitamin C. That one's great um, for metals. Uh, glutathione, OPCs, uh, lipoic acid. There's there's a bunch of things that are great helping get rid of metals through antioxidants, but then also a lot of times all you need is other metals like selenium or something like that. Um, mm. keeping the balance rather than, uh, getting rid of a lot of things sometimes. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think the labs do a great job of uh, sharing information. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not too fond of them at that point for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Um, I, I know that there are a number of different tests doctors will use as far as, um, hair tests, um, sometimes blood, things like that. I, I've not ever found uh, blood to be very accurate. I can say that confidently. Um, and, uh, you know, the hair test, I just don't have a lot of experience with because I've never needed to do this. We just find it with the muscle testing. And um, so when it comes to heavy metals as a trigger, the most common thing I've seen is either you've got a history where you've been exposed to heavy metals, if you're working in a factory or something like that, 
or number two, if you have amalgam fillings. So if you have any kind of amalgam teeth fillings for in your mouth, um, a lot of times um, I've actually, I see that cause issues from time to time, but I've actually seen that be a driver of, of some different autoimmune conditions as well. So um, if you have a lot of heavy metal fillings, a lot of amalgam fillings that have mercury in them, um, chances are you've, uh, you're being exposed to that and, uh, and need to need to address that. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. So, um, another thing I've seen Dr. Tim is emotional stuff. And this is primarily going to be with, you know, the, you know, the, the people that are in a very difficult marriage, uh, maybe an abusive marriage or abusive relationship. Um, even emotional stuff as far as losing a loved one or something traumatic happening in your life. So, um, I've seen that as well, which is really, really interesting. Um, you know, there's, there's, you know, we talk about nutrients and we talk about the body, we talk about neurology and we talk about the science behind all these things. Um, but the emotional side is really interesting and we might, we might end up doing a, a podcast on that because I think it's really interesting, but we'll see. I haven't talked to Dr. Tim about that. We'll have to talk about that. One. <laughs> um, so the emotional stuff, um, and then methylation, Dr. Tim, um, we're doing a great job. Let's keep this going. Um, and feel free to speak to anything emotional wise, if you've seen anything there, um, but also talk just a little bit about like methylation and how that can be impacting, uh, some of these conditions or maybe even being a trigger for some of this. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll kind of leave the emotional, uh, stuff as it is. Um, it can okay. be a trigger. It doesn't happen all that much. Um, sure. it's, it's more rare occurrence, but I'm glad you touched on that. Um, as far as it goes for methylation, um, uh, a good marker that you can uh, look at on your blood work, uh, if you have blood work and if the doctor that ran it for you had run this marker for you, uh, is homocysteine. So homocysteine is typically, at least in the medical realm, talked about as a cardiac risk marker. The reason for that is homocysteine is due to cysteine, and then cysteine combines with glutamic acid and glycine to make glutathione. Glutathione is the strongest attacks in the body. So whenever there's inflammation, whenever the immune system is working, whenever there's hormone detoxification, toxin detoxification, uh, all sorts of things going on, your body requires glutathione. If you are using all of your glutathione up, what will happen is your body starts trying to make more of it. And at some point, it's going to run out of resources to convert homocysteine to cysteine. And that resource is vitamin B6. So um, when you run low on this stuff, homocysteine will go high, and that's a great marker for one low glutathione status, but also uh, methylation, because methylation will also help convert uh, homocysteine back to methionine, um, which can go through that process again while detoxifying. So um, methylation is known as kind of like the the fountain of youth within the functional medicine realm, where uh, it involves things like hormone expression and actually the lack thereof, where it will suppress bad genes, um, promote good ones, suppress bad ones. It helps uh, make components of DNA to help with cell replication and uh, just more DNA production uh, in that way. It helps with detoxifying things like hormones, uh, caffeine, metals, um, histamine, all kinds of stuff uh, during methylation. Are, uh, all sorts of things are accomplished. So Methylation is super important uh, when it comes to all this stuff. Um, actually, I, I she listens to the podcast, so she'll know I'm mentioning her here. I'll save names for HIPAA, HIPAA purposes, but 
Um, when it comes to long-term issues that lead to autoimmunity, a lot of times uh, this this process methylation will show up as being an issue because you are running glutathione to be really, really, really low. Um, and so your body has to just scramble for antioxidants. Um, this patient in particular, she was having her for weeks on end, uh, was coming in and had metals as an issue. Well, sorted that out. She quit her caffeine consumption before she came in and she's got this rash that will only, we thought at first it was a stress issue. Um, but we, we've since kind of figured out that it's more so centered around her cycle. Um, and it's a histamine issue. So, um, yep. not to get all over the place with this, but histamine will go high when high estrogens. Um, and so it would happen right before her cycle. Well, that's been doing a whole lot better, but the high histamine as well as the previous extreme consumption of caffeine, um, where caffeine was testing to be a primary offender to the thyroid, which has, she has Graves' disease, it's an autoimmune thyroid. Um, both of those things will totally deplete all of the B vitamins and cofactors necessary to methylate. Um, so she's just been slamming caffeine forever. Um, she's got high histamine um, due to being in this state. And uh, we're just working through this metal issue previously. So all these things kind of point to um, poor methylation. So in the past, we've just been, okay, like these packs, these herbs for the gut, all, all sorts of these things. But we've gotten to the point where it's just fortifying her body's ability to detoxify what is already there. That's been draining those resources for so long. Yep. Um, and so if you want to fortify methylation specifically, lay off the caffeine, uh, do your best to make sure that you have sufficient stomach acid, limit stress, all those things. Yep. So that way you can absorb B12 um, and promote that pathway. Things uh, just to round this out, um, B12, B9, B3, B2, B6, all those are components of methylation and uh, in their active form. Uh, I have to note that in their active form, they are components yep. of, and uh, supporting those is is a great way to help with methylation. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll just piggyback off that just a little bit um, uh, with the methylation nutrients. Um, choline is great too. That's found in the yolk of eggs. Uh, TMG, which is trimethylglycine, I believe. Uh, is found in beets. That's really good as well. And then zinc is good too. So um, let's uh, let's keep this let's keep this train moving um, and kind of wrap these things up. We've we've got kind of still some really important things to talk about. So um, let's say that you have let's say that you've uncovered the trigger behind these this whatever autoimmune condition you're facing. Um, how do you address autoimmune? How do you address autoimmune issues? And basically, what I'm going to answer is you know, um, as, as doctors that we've, we've seen a lot of different autoimmune issues. We've helped patients not only stop the autoimmune issue from progressing, but we've helped patients reverse it and heal from it to the point where they no longer have that diagnosis. So from doing that, from experience, um, number one, you've got to find the trigger. Number two, you've got to address the trigger successfully. Number three, um, you've got to balance the immune system. Now, Dr. Tim talked a lot about TH17 being that, that driver of the autoimmune condition um, uh, with the immune system there. And one of the things that can really calm down TH17 is something called interleukin-10. The way that we increase and support interleukin-10 is through um, different nutrients. So um, a lot of the nutrients that we'll use and that we find are 
um, things like um, vitamin A in high doses, quercetin, um, resveratrol, which is um, basically comes from Japanese knotweed, um, sometimes coenzyme Q10, um, sometimes green tea extract, um, grapeseed, um, uh, grapeseed extract, um, scutellaria. What what other things would you might would you might find to to help with that? And also, obviously, we have the Treg nutrients as well. Yeah, um, I mean, you hit most of them. Uh, there's very few that I could think of off the top of my head. Maybe Mangista um, okay. from Spring Nutrition. Other than yep. that, I think you've, you've kind of covered most of them. Hesperidin, methyl yes. chalcone. Yep. That's good. <laughs> uh, all these are uh, supportive nutrients to kind of dampen those TH2s as well. Yep, for sure. Yeah. Um, and then obviously the Treg cells, which he talked about a little bit. Um, you want to definitely support the interleukin 10 cells. So address the trigger, support the interleukin 10 part of the immune system to really calm things down. And then um, as part of addressing the trigger, you really need to increase your Treg support. So that's going to be things like vitamin A, vitamin D. Um, that's going to be things like glutathione and its precursors, whether it's magnesium or um, selenium or niacinamide, B3, um, glycine, there, uh, 5-MTHF. There's a bunch of different things there. Um, Glutathione, you also want to make sure you have healthy fats like EPA, uh, DHA, um, GLA, things like that. So um, that's obviously a lot easier said than done. But again, my the point behind all that is I want you to have the big picture as far as how does going about addressing these and reversing these issues, how does that look? Um, now, if you can figure out the food sensitivity, that's that's a start. That's amazing. If you can address this successfully, you're on your way. If you can support with interleukin 10 and balance out and support with Treg cells, um, then you've got it Then you've made it. And, um, so one of the things, Dr. Tim, before we have to wrap up here, I wanted to jump into, um, I want to jump into just some personal, um, experience with different autoimmune issues and just some common things that I've seen. I think we would both agree that with any autoimmune condition, you could have literally any trigger, um, whether it's the foods or the heavy metals or the infections or the mold. Um, by the way, with mold, I think it's important to mention that, um, you know, our approach is extremely, I think, successful with addressing mold issues. Um, and I've talked about that in a number of different videos and things like that. Um, but there's a pretty good test, I think, for checking mold in the blood, and that's called the mycotox profile from uh, Great Plains Laboratory. So if you don't have access uh, to the listener, if you don't have access to um, a practitioner that can, can, that does systems health here that can check these things, then that might be a test to consider. Um, all right. So some experience. So rheumatoid arthritis, I see a lot of food sensitivities with those kinds of issues. So a lot of dairy and a lot of gluten issues, sometimes corn. Um, uh, Hashimoto's could be anything from infections to food sensitivities, usually gluten. If it's a food sensitivity, it's usually gluten, but I've seen a lot of infections like um, viral infections like EBV. Um, I've seen a number of things there. Uh, multiple sclerosis, uh, heavy metals I've seen with that one. That patient actually had uh, amalgam fillings and uh, and uh, we were able to balance things out, but he needed a lot of um, basically support with detoxing the, the mercury there. Um, with lupus, infections is a big one. Um, um, some emotional stuff as well. Scleroderma, mostly infections, some food sensitivities as well. And then um, I think that probably wraps up my list of things that I at least wanted to mention. So, um, Dr. Tim, anything that you would, that you want to add to that? Uh, nothing that you haven't already said. Um, okay. I think <laughs> recently, um, 
depending on where your water comes from and everything, I think that makes a big difference as well. Um, at least where I practice down here in Northwest Arkansas in Bentonville, um, I see metals to be an issue pretty dang uh -huh. often. I've had, yeah, there, there's plenty of things that before, you know, I moved down here and started working here, um, up in Minnesota, there were things that tested a whole lot more than down here and, uh, things that are testing down here a whole lot more than I saw up there. So metals tends to be one of those things, not to say that we didn't see it up there, but I've had, um, I've had quite a few patients with autoimmune conditions, um, alopecia, Graves disease, Hashimoto's, all that. And, mm -hmm. um, all of them so far have had some sort of metal component, uh, to a reasonable wow. degree, maybe, maybe not hundred percent, but the, there's the majority down here, it's a metals issue. So I'm not sure if it's the water or what's going on down here, in, uh, yep. in Arkansas, but metals tends to be a big issue down here. Yep. Cool. 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 All right. I had a list of some different questions that I've gotten from patients before and, um, hopefully these can be helpful. So some patients have asked, Hey, uh, what about histamine intolerance issues and, and histamine in general? Can that drive autoimmune issues? I would say, no, I would say histamines and histamine intolerance issues are really going to be the byproduct of whatever root causes there. So usually it's going to be food sensitivities, gut issues, infections, dysbiosis, all that good stuff. So usually that, again, that histamine is probably going to be more of, um, more of one of the symptoms and the root issue is actually underlying that. Um, I've had people ask about EMFs and radiation and um, how that might play in with autoimmune stuff. I've I've not seen um, radiation cause autoimmune conditions. Um, what I have seen is radiation will deplete you of nutrients, specifically vitamin C, um, as well as other antioxidants. Um, and so, you know, it's important to turn your Wi-Fi off at night and either put your phone on airplane mode, put it in the other room, or you know, whatever you can do to not have your phone by your head while you're sleeping at night. Um, usually a good idea not to keep your phone in your pocket all day long as well. So um, those are a couple of questions I've gotten. Um, I'm sure uh, listeners, I'm sure you're going to have other questions. Uh, either let us know if you're listening to it there on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or um, send us a message on Instagram or elsewhere and uh, would love to address those um, in the future at some point. Um, Dr. Tim, um, tell everybody, remind everybody how they can find you or get a hold of you. Cool. Um, before that, I've got one question um, yeah. that I'm going to answer. Um, how can those listeners at home get a head start on handling their autoimmune conditions on their own? I love it. Um, yep. If, if I'm going to see somebody or uh, if they don't have luxury, um, how can you handle it on your own? Uh, first step. It, I would, it would invite you to revisit our stress and anxiety podcast, um, yeah. or the first episode, our introduction, where we get really heavy into regulating, regulating blood sugar, eliminating chemical stress, the diet. Um, as you guys hopefully can recall, if you listen to this a couple times to, you know, actually absorb all of it, cause it's a lot of information. Um, TH1, TH2 balance, what leads to autoimmunity is elevated TH2s, depressed TH1s. Stress will drive TH1s to stay down, even if we eliminate those inflammatory drivers propping TH2s up. So handling stress is by far one of the best things that you can do at home that's not horribly difficult to do. It's just regulating your diet, three meals a day, five hours apart, 35-ish grams of protein, 30 grams of fat per meal, whole foods, no processed sugars, all that stuff. Limit caffeine consumption and make sure that's all within a meal. 
and then mm -hmm. uh, carbs to carb tolerance. So if you uh, get tired after you eat, you overdid carbs. So mm -hmm. start with that at home. Um, and then, yeah, start to figure out, okay, then symptoms might be involved with maybe a mold issue, metal issue, gut issue, whatever it is, and, and try to, you know, bark up that tree as best you can with things that we suggest on here. And then try to see a doc, try to see somebody that'll help you through it. There's, there's a lot of information out there that is kind of difficult to sift through on your own. So that's why we kind of making the podcast to try to help those at home who, who can't, uh, can't go see somebody. So um, that's my soapbox there. That's the question. Um, <laughs> nice. Do that at home if you're if you're struggling with stuff. Um, but anyway, so to wrap things up, so my name is Dr. Tim Augustiniak. My practice is called Flourish Functional Wellness Center. I practice in Bentonville, Arkansas. Um, just been here, just past couple months now. Um, if you want to find me, um, you can find me on my website at draaugustiniak.com. That's D-R-A-U-G-U-S-T. Y-N-I-A-K.com. Um, on there, I have resources to online booking, articles, um, links to the podcast, all sorts of things on there. Um, and then you can find us both, like Dr. Joel mentioned previously, on the systemshealthcare.net website. Um, there's a tab at the top right where it says find a HC practitioner, and we are, we're both on there. So um, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. Give us a give us an email, uh, text call, all that stuff you can find on my website, and then I'm sure you can find Joel, Dr. Joel's on uh, on his. Yep, for sure. Uh, and Dr. Tim, real quick, are you seeing patients remotely? Uh, I currently don't. Um, I'm not horribly opposed, um, but <laughs> I do like to be thorough on the applied kinesiology part. I feel like uh, we're kind of you know, we, we preach about specificity with treatment and I realized the muscle testing uh, to set us apart from other functional medicine practitioners. And I feel like we're kind of falling with the herd when we, when we do it a little bit. Not to say that we can't help people, but uh, I like to see people in person. So if there are people listening that would like to be, you know, experience some virtual treatment, um, feel free to reach out. We can, I'm sure we can talk about stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, on a similar scale, I, um, I always tell patients if, if they can't, um, you know, if they're calling from a little ways away, maybe a few States away, um, I'll tell them, Hey, best case scenario, come to the office, come in person so I can work on you and really get to the bottom of these things. Um, that's best case scenario. I will see patients remotely and we're able to usually, you know, make some good progress with things, but I will say it's really best case to just be in person. Um, you know, it's, you know, with remote care, we can still get to the bottom of things as far as a very thorough history. And again, a lot of times we can even figure out kind of what's going on there. It's just a lot of times, sometimes the treatment can be um, a little bit more um, maybe standard in regards to, hey, let's try this for a couple of weeks and see how it goes. And, you know, uh, you and I both don't love that, but um, it can be very beneficial nonetheless. So um, I'm Dr. Joel Miller. You can find me uh, here outside Dallas in Flower Mound, Texas. Uh, here with Freedom Health and Wellness. You can find me online at drjoelmiller.com. You can find me on Instagram, YouTube, um, X, um, all those good places. Um, guys, thanks for thanks for joining us. Definitely, uh, you know, feel free to leave comments on wherever you're seeing this and leave any questions that you might have. And uh, we'd love to address those in the future. Um, we, we do this for you guys. And uh, we hope that this has been helpful for you and a blessing for you. Dr. Tim, anything else? That's it, everybody. Thanks for listening. Hope everybody had a great Christmas and a happy new year. Sweet. Plenty more we'll see you guys in the next one. Coming your way.
2024. That's crazy. Peace, y'all.